0: Hey, guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is my you receive 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus. Code. code SST-125. That's SST-125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The racebooks has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginal. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with Integrity and Long like i did bet us you bet you win you get paid bet us welcome back everybody this is sec football and beyond i am chris landry and just as we got off uh, last hour talking college football on scouts eye on college football we're gonna pick it up with uh even more college football talk with the uh, The first edition this week of SEC football and beyond. Much to get to today. Um, The talk around the conference, well, I mean, I guess it could be the dominance of Georgia. That would be one. But in the world of negativity, where everybody tends to look at the negative thing first, it's about Florida and the negativity with Dan Mullen and his situation, what's going to happen there. Dan's not going anywhere, but. Uh, what is it going to look like um, next year, so on and so forth. So a lot to get to there. Uh, We're going to take a look at who is the coach of the year in the SEC. I'll give you my thoughts on that right now. Uh, We're going to hand out game balls. We're going to look at the power rankings inside the league at this stage. Um, And then we're going to go through the games this week a little bit and tell you uh, how we see it, what's going on, um, and whatnot. And a reminder – that you can join us inside your chat room. Um, very simple. Go to LandryFootball.com. Uh, go to follow Chris on Twitch. Join us in the chat room. Ask your questions, uh, and we'll have it uh, all for you there. Um, we um, appreciate um, you joining us. A reminder that you can get all the detailed film room breakdowns over at LandryFootball.com. Uh, that's where you can get all of our information and detail that's a little bit more than we can get to here also a reminder that uh, you can find all of our podcasts at LandryFootball.com so very easy to go there you'll want to get the podcast go to LandryFootball.com search it out yes we've got one for the SEC the ACC the Big Ten the Big 12 the Pac-12 Scouts Island College Football Nationally Scouts Island Pro Football um, we've got Alabama AM. and we've got a lot of podcasts so you can check them out very simple. Just go to landryfootball.com, and then it'll tell you when you click on it. It'll tell you in the little notes before where you can sign up to get it dropped for you. But we encourage you to join us live as we do the show. Um, and if you sign up, uh, if you go to uh, twitch.tv/slash chrislandryfootball, or you go to landryfootball.com and click on Follow Chris on Twitch, um, that'll get you there, and you can sign up so that you can um, get this show dropped to you uh, and so that whenever we go live, you get notification. All right. So we're going to start with kind of the latest and the blowback from the Florida-Georgia game. This Georgia team, as we thought, was going to take care of Florida we thought that Georgia was going to win this game, win it handily. I didn't think it was a bad first half for Florida, but boy, and I mentioned this on Scouts Eye last hour, what an end of the first half that was. Can't remember too many games that went completely 180. With Florida, a chance to be only down three going into the halftime. Just getting flipped around where they're down 24 nothing, And the game was over over. Florida can't throw the football. Um, look, I think in all the criticism with Dan Mullen, you see why he's having a hard time trying to figure out the quarterbacks. I think both of these guys are athletic. Neither one of them throw it well enough. And they're not going to have a passing game. And I don't think the receivers are winning enough on their routes and pitch is no longer there. Look, they're not the same team, pure and simple. They're missing a lot. And so the criticism should be, you know, and, and I don't blame anybody for criticizing. Why are they in this situation? Well, why do they have this gap? Look, I, the quarterback, you can miss on a guy can leave, but they don't really have any answers. Um, They're going to be substantive changes on the staff. It's not going to be the head coach this year. That's only going to be if Dan decides to say, you know what, I'm, I, I, I don't need this. I I'm going to go somewhere else and do this, but he's not walking away from that amount of money unless someone is willing to pay him something in the same ballpark. Look, it's about the talent level in relation to Georgia. You know, it's, it's um, when you have the type of year that they have, it would be, frustrating for the Georgia fan, excuse me for the Florida fan if they were unbeaten going into this game and they were be talking about what they were going to do in this game and Georgia beats them. you can look at it and say we're not re- recruiting at the same level of Georgia and we got to upgrade that. There's kind of a a, a standard and and then there's certainly an understanding of where they are and where they need to be. But then, when you have games like you know they're four and four, you 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 have you lose complete traction, and you get out coached against LSU when you can't make defensive adjustments. You get clearly out coached against Kentucky, and you know Kentucky doesn't have the overall talent that you have, but they're better coached. You begin to start look and poke holes in this short coaching tenure of Dan Muller. How good of a coach is he staff's not very good. They're getting out coached again, way too often. They're four and four inside the league. Um, the talent level, the recruiting is led to much consternation and discussion and trouble. Um, I mean, excuse me, yeah, four and four overall, two and four in the league, two and four inside the league. And, of course, they don't play anybody outside the league that's relevant. So you go into the game with low expectations as a Florida fan or as someone that's following this Florida team, and you see a team that comes out of it even worse. And to his credit, he didn't do the whole dance around this or that about this game or that game. Um, in how we looked and we weren't our coach. He's he's basically taken the approach of it's on me post game. It's on me. I got to look at everything. I think it's pretty obvious that he understands that the optics of it are looking even worse, maybe even worse than the on-the-field product, which is probably more fixable than you might think, but it does involve personnel. And the question is, how much better are you going to get if you don't get better personnel? That's a legitimate question and one in which he can only answer. Um. I do think that that people are, you know, coming out of that game with a certain understanding. Then we go into the postgame in Georgia where Kirby Smart, and I mentioned this last hour, Kirby Smart saying um, he was asked a question about the importance of recruiting, and Kirby clearly said it's all about players. We're good because we got good players, and he's thrown that. And it's the exact narrative of kind of without saying it, Dan Mullen's always been about it's about me, it's about my superior coaching. It's that's how he's kind of presented it to be. And it it has become almost uh well it's become very aggravating to a lot of the media there and a lot of the fan base that you know he thinks that it's almost as if he wants to do it with a lesser recruiting Acumen to prove how great he is as a coach. Uh, I don't know that that's true, but it really comes across that way. And you win with players. You you certainly have to coach and develop them. But right now they're losing on both ends of the spectrum from a coaching and a developmental uh, from a recruiting and a developmental standpoint. So Kirby talks about recruiting. And then I'm sure the media, pouncing on that, asked Dan Mullen to talk about recruiting at the Monday press conference to which he responded, Look, we'll talk about recruiting general recruiting season. And the immediate media narrative of he doesn't care about recruiting because he said, well, I don't want to talk about it. Well, my feeling is, I don't really care whether he wants to talk about recruiting or not during a press conference on a Monday in between games. That doesn't tell me whether he likes recruiting or he doesn't like recruiting or whether he's a good recruiter or not a good recruiter. Those are just statements. I don't care what you say because I'm too busy watching what you do. That doesn't mean a damn thing. But what it does mean is. Let's look at the recruiting. Let's look at the results. And the results are not what they need to be. The results are not as good as they have been or they could be. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. Why isn't it better than it is? And so he's he's getting a lot of heat on this. He's getting a lot of heat on it. And, look, I, I think there's going to be some changes. I can tell you that Dan's not easy to work with. His personality quirks are having an effect on a lot of his staff. There, I know that there'll be staff changes, some that will want to move on, um, some that will be asked to move or to ask to move on. Um, and there'll be changes on the staff. And I, I don't think the defense coordinator is going to survive it. Uh, I think the administration will tell him this is this is what has to get done. And I think there's going to have to be an emphasis on getting guys that can recruit better. And I think there's going to have to do a better job of getting this defense fixed, and um, it'll be interesting to see because right now it's not only bad, but it's, it's worse because everything is relative, correct? It's bad because Georgia, and we've explained this for some time, Georgia is that much better. So the people that want to throw out, well, Florida won last year. You know, and the one thing Dan did say after the game was, well, we won this year, they won last year. I mean, you know, we won last year, they won this year. Yeah, Dan, I get it. Anybody that looks objectively at the Florida and Georgia program see that they're going in two different directions. Look, I don't know if Georgia's going to win the national championship. I suspect that they should. I kind of expect that they will. But I, that's something we'll answer in January. What we do know is this Florida program doesn't look good. It doesn't look healthy. It doesn't look well at all. It doesn't look anything like Georgia. It doesn't look anything close to Georgia. It looks Like it is below Kentucky, which is not something that's going to be sustainable, I know. But it looks bad. And again, it's such a weak division. Outside of Georgia, nobody's good, really good. And you lose to Kentucky. And so you beat everybody else. None of them are any good. You lose to Kentucky that's pretty good, but you also lose to an LSU that's not good. There are alarming signs there. And uh, I think he's getting humbled quite a bit. A guy that is humbling. His opponents is Brian Harsin at Auburn. Now, there again, let's not overstate things. Let's not get too far out of whack. But this is an Auburn team that, you know, that they um, lost to Georgia. But the Arkansas game really um, was impressive. And started to get them on the right track. Had the bye week. They come out against Ole Miss. And did they outplay Ole Miss? They really did a good job. Defensively in the red zone, they cleaned up against the reps. And they ran the football well. Um, Outstanding performance. Uh, To me, SEC coach of the year, let's see how they finish. I think Brian Harson's done a really good job. Now, I think this week's game. I would make the case in a week that is devoid of elite national games that the best game might be Auburn AM in college station and it's probably gonna determine who's the second best in the SEC West. And <clears throat> M's got a bye week to prepare and they're at home. So edge there. But this is this to me, Brian. I think it's Brian Harson, and if, if he stumbles a little bit, then I think he goes to Kirby Smart. I think Kirby's done a good job. Yeah, they're talented. They're very well coached. If you look at everybody else, yeah, Josh Heupel's maybe done a little bit better than people might say. They're going to end up 6-6. Six and six. You know, it's not a great year. Um, you, you know, I, I you, the look of Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin's done a nice job there, but – Spot the quarterback, and quite frankly, there wasn't anything. There was a sliver that separated Ole Miss from Tennessee and Ole Miss from Arkansas. So, I I think that what what Brian's done has been outstanding. So I think it's Brian. I think it's Kirby. I thought I think this this week's game is going to be outstanding. More in the breakdown in a second. Ole Miss defense is not. It's got limitations. Not as good as it has been. So um, let's take a. Hey, look, uh, I want to um, invite you to join us in the chat room and we will uh, break down all the games after I break down all the games and go through the power rankings. We'll get to your questions. I do want to tell you about our good friends at Bet Q, uh, QL Daily. Do you feel like the last one out when it comes to sports betting? Don't know where to start. Understand where the market is moving, which smart bets are out there, and have fun listening while you're at it. BetQL Daily, sponsored by FanDuel, is the must-listen show for sports bettors and sports fans alike. They're a great listen. They're fun. They're informative. Very helpful for those that are looking to bet on games. Hosts Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hanksworth serve up Wager Entertainment, The Sports Talk You Love, and the betting insights you need each weekday. Find out where the market is moving across all of the week's biggest sporting events. Miss out on earlier games? BetQL Daily has you covered there, too, with recaps from some of the biggest recent moments in sports. If you're not sure where to start with sports betting, start with BetQL Daily presented by FanDuel. Listen weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app just three games left to go for the SEC schedule. Vanderbilt excluded six of those 14 games. Uh, six of those 14 teams took the week off to prepare for the final stretch of the season. So let's take a look at things. I Team of the week, no doubts, Auburn. Um, it really wasn't as close as people think of. Auburn really controlled that game and dominated in the red zone. Um, I, I think they're really... Really good, and I think they kind of showed the separation between them and Ole Miss, and I think now it's about, as I said, Auburn and A&M for who's the second best in the West. Um, pretty clear, it's Georgia, number one, Alabama, number two. I would go with Auburn right now and then A&M, but I think that could flip with a win by AM this week. Then I would throw Ole Miss, Kentucky, then Arkansas, Mississippi State, then Florida, yeah, Florida at nine. Then Tennessee, LSU, and then the really bad boys. Bad and like you're bad. Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt bringing it up. Game balls this week. Tyler Beatty um, did a good job. Will Rogers, quarterback in Mississippi State. So Colby McLean Auburn was outstanding. Nolan Smith, Georgia. Uh, Harrison Mevis uh, from Georgia, uh, from Missouri. Uh, Colby uh, Wooden at, uh, at Auburn. LaQuiston Sharp. Played well at center for Mississippi state this week. And then I thought the freshman Trevon Wallace of uh, Kentucky, the linebacker did a good job. So let's get into um, the games of the week. And then again, if you got any questions, we'll answer it in the mailbag segment. This Auburn team looks really good. Um, and I, again, I'm, You can look at this game and say that Matt Corral had a rough night, but, and I do think he's getting worn and injury-prone, but, or injury-riddled, not injury-prone, but injury-riddled. But this Auburn defense saved the day down the stretch with a number of key stops against Matt Corral. And they got some big-time plays to get out with a win. Um, I'm curious to see where Auburn ends up in the initial rankings, number twelve in the A P uh poll following um the the afternoon's action. And so you're gonna have a <clears throat> 12, twelve, thirteen ish type matchup. We'll see where they're ranked in the polls um in the, the playoff rankings, but we're gonna see two top fifteen teams, I would think, in a really good matchup that's uh look, Auburn, we can talk about them being in the mix. If they win out, obviously um they're in pretty good position. Uh, a already beaten Alabama, whereas Auburn has got uh, one conference loss. Um, a has got two losses. Um, so, uh, w- we look at them and say, what's going to happen, uh, in the matchup as we look at it, uh, I'm trying to, trying to get my hands on it. So Auburn is three and one, six and two overall. Um, Texas A&M obviously has a uh, loss to Arkansas, and a loss to Mississippi State. Now they do have the win against Alabama. Alabama's going to have to lose one. Now we're looking at Auburn with the one loss, um, you know, and they're they're three and one inside the league, losing to Georgia. But certainly, if they can win out, uh, they will have an edge over Alabama um, And winning out. Of course, would mean beating A&M and knocking them out. But long way to go for that. I don't know that I see Auburn. Quite there yet, but I still think that they're in pretty good position. I thought Tank Bigs, Bigsby was outstanding. Um, I thought Bo Nix was outstanding. I thought you know Bo was you know 22 for 30, uh, two rushing touchdowns. He's playing very very well. That's coaching. You see a team getting better and better. That's the one thing we told you and felt about was how Brian Harson, well coached team, wherever he, he's been he'll do a good job coaching and developing and uh, really, really good. Um, I thought Bigsby reemerged with his best outing of the year. He had 140 yards, um, was outstanding. It, we played with a lot of confidence. They were physical. I think that Mike Bobo's done a great job with them. I think with this offense as a whole, just a really, really good performance. I thought Jacoby McLean defensively, was all over the field from his linebacker position. Hit a couple of sacks as well at 10 solo stops, 14 tackles, uh, three quarterback sacks. Just outstanding, outstanding performance. Um, really playing well in SEC play. So, um, you know, I, I think this linebacking core is developing as something really, really good on the plains. Uh, I thought Oscar Chapman did a really good job. He averaged 56 yards a punt on three punts, no returns. That's huge in terms of field position. So um, really, really impressive. They get it. It's the little things that I see that are positive on the planes that we've not seen under Gus Malzahn. The use of the tight ends. The improvement of the blocking schemes up front. Look how much better the route running has become with the receivers. Didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you when everybody was throwing dirt on Brian Harson? What are you doing? Firing a, a receiver coach. That's why. Because the guy's not a very good coach, They moved on from, and they're a lot better in terms of route running. Now they're not real talented; that's not a strength in their team, but they're better coached now. Uh, I think that says an awful lot. I think the the biggest thing that's impressed me is they're running the football best, um, better than they have. They ran the football for two hundred seven yards. Fourteen year olds' old runs came in the form of first downs. Um, you know they they didn't run the football in their their first two wins in the league very well but Bigsby ran it well uh Sean Shivers only carried it once you're not getting uh much you know uh play outside of uh, Bigsby at the running back position but I think they're run blocking better and I think they're really attacking the line of scrimmage well Bigsby is and that's a huge difference and um, what they're able to do, and it's really setting things up and slowing down the pressures to allow Bo Nix to make plays. Um, Anders Carlson missed a 43-yard field goal. Um, I, I, that whole unit wasn't really good. Some mistakes on special teams need to be cleaned up, no doubt. Uh, the defense is doing its job; they don't allow the big play. Um, and I, I just thought that uh, now uh, Casey Kelly had a really good game made some big plays. Um, that was a little bit out of norm for them recently, but they found an answer, really good performance. Uh, Derek Mason's doing a good job. This is just this is a well-coached team. For Ole Miss, as I mentioned, um, you know, I thought they struggled in the red zone. I thought that Auburn did a good job containing Matt Corral. Um, I thought Chance Campbell played pretty well on the defensive side. I thought Luke Altmaier did some things when he was in the game that was fairly effective. Casey Kelly, I mentioned, was outstanding. Jacor Pearson did a really good job. Um, and, I, look, I think Corral's a gutsy guy. I think he's a gutsy performer. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, Auburn was the better coach team here. They're more sound fundamentally. Um, they play better at the line of scrimmage. They're a tougher, more physical team. Look, what I say about Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin is he's more concerned and interested and how his offense looks, the stylistic approach, and you're not going to win championships with Lane Kiffin, regardless where he's at. He's not at a place at Ole Miss where you can win a national championship. But even if you went to a place that's capable of winning a national championship, he wouldn't win a national championship because he doesn't know how to play a complementary style. He doesn't know how to play to his defensive strength. He cares about how his offense looks because that's what he likes. That's what he is. And he identifies with how the offense looks more than winning games. He wants to win games, of course, but he wants to win it his way. And I think protecting and helping his defense is something that's going to keep him from falling short in terms of a championship level. Let's get into Georgia, Florida. Um, It was a beatdown. Um, they're 8 0 this year. Um, you know, they were outgained by a yard, but the defense put three touchdowns on the board right before the half. It controlled the game. Um, it wasn't a real good performance by Stetson Bennett. I do think once, look, people said, why didn't um, JT Daniels play? Guessing, even though he was cleared medically, he hasn't gotten enough reps in practice to justify putting him in or working him at this stage. I would suspect we're going to see it. Um, I think we're going to need to see Georgia be able to make more plays in the passing game. They might need it. What if they play Alabama? What if Alabama can get the ball out quick enough? What if they can score enough points against just Georgia defense's back end? Can Georgia play offensive football that can match up with Alabama? I do think that that the one area that, that George is better offensively than Alabama is the offensive line, and I think the commitment to the running game. So I think those things are what I'm looking for. But it wasn't a great performance by Stetson Bennett, but they didn't need him to be. What if they need him to be? Uh, I think he runs the game very well, and I think he uses legs to run when they play well. I thought JT might play some, but – I think they want to see JT get more practice reps. Zamir White was outstanding. Um, I'm curious to see if this is the game that gets Kyrus Jackson gone. I thought it was the best performance of the year. Adonis Mitchell um, um, had the guy beat on the second interception that Bennett had. Might have been another touchdown there. So I thought they were winning some in the passing game. And Brock Bowers is really good. Great scheme design in the pass game. The offensive line, I thought, was a little slow starting and pass protection, but I thought they cleaned it up pretty quickly. They're well coached there. I didn't think it was Georgia's best game on the defensive line, but still good. Florida committed to trying to run the football. Um, you know, uh, you know, I thought that um, that uh, the unit played pretty well. I thought it was a great game from Quay, Quay Walker. Um, Kelsey Keely Wingo came on a blitz and batted down the pass. thought he was good. Nolan Smith uh, took over a game for a little bit and did a nice job. I was really impressed with, for all the criticism they get, the secondary tackles very well. Um, So I thought it was really, really good performance. Dean played well, as I mentioned. Walker, Jackson, Trevon Walker was just really, really good. Um, From a Florida standpoint, it goes back to recruiting. You know, right now, just for an example, Georgia's got the number one class in the country 15, four, and five star commitments. Florida has 13 total commitments, no five stars, just five, four stars. Not going to beat them that way. You're not going to outcoach Florida. And, um, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. The other thing I will say in defensive, Dan, he doesn't have a quarterback that can win in the passing game. Neither one of those guys throw it very well. They throw it to the other team more than, than, than you obviously want. And that's going to be a problem. So those guys can run it, but they're not real, really successful. In fact, probably the better decision-maker of the two is Emory Jones. So look, the, the criticism should come with, why don't you have a better passer? And uh, that's a fair one. I don't know that Anthony Richardson's going to be, you know. I know the whole stuff well. Steve Spurrier says he might be a, a Heisman Trophy winner. He's a long way from being an even decent passer. I don't think he'll ever be good enough to be a dual threat guy to be that good. But he's still young. Let's see, Mississippi State, Kentucky. We just, you know, kind of led to the fact that Kentucky can't handle the prosperity of the moment. Cats were riding high going into this game. Um, 11 win season in their sights and didn't happen. Mississippi State's going to a bowl game. Not as good of an overall season as Kentucky. Thought Mississippi State's offensive line played very well. Um, thought the running backs did a really good job. Folks, I said this earlier. Maybe Mike is getting it. They ran it 35 times. Um, Really impressed with that. Now, that it's got some sacks and some scrambles in it, but really good job running the football. Let's, let's do some of that. Um, I thought it helped to get some of the blitz pressure. Really, really good job. I thought the receivers were outstanding. thought they did a good job getting open, uh, really making side adjustments, which is a, an essential part of what they do. Uh, I thought the quarterback play. Will Rogers, was outstanding. Just about as good as you can play. So uh, really, really impressed. Defensive line did a good job. Um, I thought they played their best game, certainly the best since NC State. Um, you know, um, I, I think that um, that they really did a good job against a very good offensive line from Kentucky. So very, very impressed there. On the second level, I thought the linebackers did a good job. Steve Robertson did a very good job. Jet Johnson, Nate Watson, I thought, did a really good job inside uh, with their run fits. Um, They really put a lot of pressure on Will Levis and made him uncomfortable. Um, I thought the secondary did a good job. Um, The rotation was good. It's mainly due to their front. I don't think they run quite as well as you'd like them to, but I thought they did a pretty good job overall. Um, not a not a good special team performance. Um, you know, I thought they did, they, they really potentially cost themselves there. I thought overall, though, a good performance. Really good performance by state. Kentucky, um, <clears throat> for their standpoint, where was the defense? Okay, it was a poor performance. Uh, they were out-schemed there. I thought that um, that Rodgers really tore them apart. It was 36-39 to 39 passing, 344 yards, and they were able to get it done. They were kept off balance um, because they ran the football. That surprised them. Uh, Marks ran. Dylan Johnson ran effectively. They, they were out of position, and they dropped a the lot. And, look, the front didn't defend with their base set as well as they needed to against this run game. Really good job. The turnovers, again, something we talked about with Kentucky when they were winning, but not impressively, you can't have the turnovers. Kentucky jumped out to a 10-0 lead. They had a 74-yard punt return by Josh Ali and a 41-yard field goal. Okay, uh, but they couldn't get anything done offensively. Uh, It was the turnovers that took away scoring opportunities. So I think Kentucky had opportunities to score and stay in this game the entire game. But on Kentucky's first two drives, Wendell Robinson appeared to beat his man deep, might have had a touchdown on an accurate ball. Levis underthrew and was intercepted. Then you go to the end of the first half. Kentucky was getting ready to go and take a lead, cut it down to 14-13. Ali was wide open, was overthrown. So a couple of missed opportunities there. Then Levis later on that drive through an interception in the red zone, trying to get it to Cummings. So it was turnovers and missed opportunities on offense that killed them. Um, more than just great defensive play by Mississippi State, which was good. Uh, R- Chris Rodriguez fumbled a handoff exchange. Um, the Bulldogs punched it out and make it a two-score game. Um Look, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. Um, look for Kentucky. How the narrative changes? Losing to Georgia is expected. Um, it, you know, beating Mississippi State was something that I think was expected, but tough on the road. Um, now, you know, Kentucky's got to win out. Go ten and two. They got Tennessee. That could flip their game in a very very negative way they've got to finish strong um nine and three preseason everyone would have signed up for it nine and three now not all that good when you consider the weakness of the league Missouri got it done against Vanderbilt wasn't all that impressive much needed victory Vanderbilt's two and seven it just <laughs> Missouri won not much there it wasn't impressive. Connor Bazalek was the story. Um, you know, the Hail Mary pass at the end of the first half was enough to give Missouri the lead going in the half. And now for that throw, I, I don't even know if he's playing in the second half. Um, hit Chisholm. Bazalek went 21 for 27, 173 yards, one interception, 6.4 yards of passing attempt against Vanderbilt. Drinkwitz likes this guy. Um, I think they were close to seeing somebody else, though. Um, I thought they were going to play making a little bit more. But, you know, uh, the run defense is an awful problem. Vanderbilt rushed for more yards on Saturday against Missouri than it did in his first four conference games against Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, and Mississippi State combined. They had 256 rushing yards. It it just – it allowed at least – Missouri's defense has allowed at least 250 rushing yards to each and every Power 5 opponent they face this year. Uh, Really, really poor performance. I thought the key, again, was Tyler Batty. Um, Batty, he's everything. 254 yards and 31 carries and two touchdowns. Without him, they don't win the game. Without him, they lose to Vanderbilt. Um, He's the next line of backs with Roundtree and Witter. He's really good. Missouri is also a sloppy team. They play poorly. They're not real good, but they're sloppy too. Um, They miss plays, miss receivers downfield. Again, the quarterback's not playing with confidence. Um, They got Georgia this week. It's going to be ugly. For Vanderbilt, Mike White made some plays running the football. Patrick Smith, the freshman running back, did some good things. it worked some shovel pass, some stuff in it, pretty good. I thought the front seven, not all that bad of a performance. They played hard, um, but they made dumb mistakes like the end of the first half. Um, the failed fake field goal. Uh, special teams, that's one area you need to be sound. They're gone all the way from good to fair to bad. They were probably the difference in the game. In addition to the failed fake punt, Uh, There was a block punt that nearly gave Missouri a touchdown. Uh, Harrison Smith has had a big leg, um, reduced to a rugby-style punter, and he's just not done a whole lot. A bad start, which continues to plague them. Um, The Chisholm was left wide open down the sideline for a 25-yard game, and then, of course, you know what happened prior to halftime. And Vanderbilt can't throw the football. There's no passing game. Yeah, they'll throw there's still three touchdown passes, but they're just flips to little shovel passes. Not much there. Um, they couldn't defend Tyler Betty. That was the difference in the game. It's as simple as that. So, in the end, not really good performances. This week, as I said, you've got Missouri-Georgia. We'll break it down on Thursday show, but you've got Missouri-Georgia, which will be a bloodletting. I'm curious to see Mississippi State-Arkansas. Arkansas had a bye week. The plan that they're going to have for Mississippi State, curious with that, intriguing game. I'm curious for Tennessee, Kentucky. How will Kentucky respond? Will they let it get out of hand? Uh, Will uh, Alabama throttle LSU? We would think so. Will Florida bounce back and handle a bad South Carolina team? We would think so. Vanderbilt's on the bye. God bless them. At least they've got that. old missile respond and play well against Liberty, and we know what the storyline there is going to be. But the game, obviously, that's most intriguing is Auburn-Texas A&M, and that, again, is going to be about, okay, A&M off of a bye week. What are they going to do to be able to defend the run and put pressure on Bo Nix? I think that's the real key is don't give Bo Nix a clean pocket or he can, he can hurt them. I think this A&M team is really good defensively, I think they're starting to run the football um, well. I think the offensive line plays improved. I think these these two teams are a little close. I like AM a little better, uh, but we'll break that game down both on LandryFootball.com and certainly um, on Thursday show we'll do that uh, in, in detail as well. Let's get to um, your questions. In the mailbag, Woodchuck King, your thoughts on Miles Brennan transferring and where he may end up. Don't know yet where he's going to end up. Um, I understand it. There's a lot of uncertainty around the program. Miles deserves an opportunity to go somewhere and compete. And you know we're going to be dealing with a situation with a new coach. There's the uncertainty there of how he's going to fit in. Um, and so the the people that obviously that he's built up loyalty with are going to be gone. So it makes sense. I was expecting it to happen. I don't have an update yet where it's going to go. Uh, On the LSU coaching search, I will give an update there. Um, Where Scott Woodard is, is he's got a guy or two that he knows will take the job. For example, if they want Mel Tucker, they'll get Mel Tucker. If they want Lane Kiffin, they'll get Lane Kiffin. And there are a couple of other guys that clearly want the job. They're not satisfied with those are the options. I don't think Lane is somebody they would hire, but that way they'd have to go down further down the list. I think Mel would be higher on their list. However, they're they're got their sights a little bit higher and so they're they're kind of going with the idea of trying to get a couple of people that they think they can get interested and they think they can work to give strong consideration to taking the job but I do think that they've got a and he's got a couple of people that he knows is going to take it it's a good job this is not one in which you really can screw this up. This is a great situation because it's a really good job. It's a coveted job. I can tell you that a number of guys have shown interest, but there are some, um, and I'll mention this um, a little bit later once the process, um, we can go that direction. But there is somebody that's a really prominent coach that they like that I've talked with uh, and I've talked on behalf of LSU on the merits of taking the job and uh, he just he's just not interested uh he's just very comfortable where he is at a big time program um and again I'll I'll mention that uh as it is going forward uh, I don't think um that James Franken is is the candidate that people think he is and so um, that's the update. Uh, I think that it's going well in the process, and um, but as I said before, there is going to be an an air of frustration by some because some are expecting the you know the 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 PR splash hire of the, the century because it's coming from Scott Woodard, and I don't think that guy exists that's going to satisfy the fan base in the PR sense. But getting a good coach is something that I do think they'll get. And I think that there's um, there's real good reason to believe that that they'll get it right. I don't think, to be honest, they can get it wrong. I think there's certain coaches they could hire that some people are not going to like when it's announced. And there are going to be some that like it, some that don't like it and some that will come around because I think that there's a number of people. There's not one guy. There are a number of people that can and will win and potentially win big uh, at LSU. By that, I mean consistent winning. I don't know if they're going to have – anybody's going to have a 2019 season. That was weird and unusual. But I think that being good enough to be in a position to win most years – um i think there are a number of coaches that can do that do that well at this type of a program so um i don't think they can make a wrong hire well of course they can i don't think that they will so that's the latest update there uh keep it over at landryfootball.com for all the latest on that as well as the rest going on in the world of college football and the NFL. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, Check that out at LandryFootball.com. Catch all our podcasts by going to LandryFootball.com. We'll see you there, and we'll talk to you tomorrow as we'll break down Big Ten, ACC, our NFL show. We'll be back on this show, SEC Football and Beyond, on Thursday. Appreciate you joining us. Have a great one, everyone. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.